Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Hey, y'all. Sorry, I'm, I'm eating some ice cream right now. I really like it. It's very vanilla, though, just extremely vanilla. Oh my gosh, I'm getting I'm getting a, a brain freeze. Go to Mac, please. Go to Mac. Mac, what do you got? Hey guys, I just want to be clear on something before we go any further. Uh, I was under the impression that I would not be having to meet with the media after our podcasts, and I don't plan on doing that going forward. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. I appreciate it. Boomer, what do you got? Well, I'd just like to remind the uh, loyal podcast listeners that regardless of what happened this last weekend, we are, we're not the losers of the 2017 Kingsford Charcoal Coaches Hot Seat Bowl the way A&M was. So things are still, there's still potential looking forward. Amen. Yeah, that, actually, that's a good point. You know, I've actually, uh, thanks to Honky's uh, Twitter poll on the Texas, Texas A&M fan base, I've got a direct message conversation going on with Hank Conroe of uh, Ponderosa Springs, Texas, and he wants to know, what the hell are you guys complaining about? <laughs> He's tired of losing to the Terrapins of Maryland. So uh, we can always be worse, guys, always be worse. Keep that in mind. All right, boys, you know, we've been waiting, oh, I don't know, 13 shows for this one right here, haven't we? We have got stuff to talk about now. We have uh, got one week in the books of the 2017 Husker football season. And, uh, well, uh, there was a lot of football out there this weekend. It started Thursday night, and it's uh, still going on here on Monday night as uh, Tennessee and Georgia Tech is still playing as we are doing this podcast. Guys, what what do you, what do you big takes out of uh, the, the menu of college football this first opening weekend? Honky? Well, I think you uh, kind of touched on it a little bit here with the uh, Texas and, and the Twitter poll. And I think Hank might have been one of 570 people that voted in this one. That's but, impressive. Uh, yeah, that's our that's our biggest poll yet, and that probably that's our doesn't. Biggest poll. I don't know if I like the way that sounded, but anyway, <laughs> I bet you don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas, right? And which Texas it's fan base Texas is more upset poll. right that's now? Uh, 38% say Texas is are the most upset fans. 49% say A and M, and 13% said Baylor for their loss to uh, to Liberty. And I think for my take from it is simply it's the perspective of as being a Husker fan and just fans of any team in general, you always feel like your situation is the worst and Nebraska fans, some many felt coming off of the game on Saturday night that there were things they didn't like, but it was a win. We do get to move into uh, you know, Oregon week here one and O and that's a lot better than Texas A&M and Baylor get to say. It's the truth. Mac, uh, what do you think? Yeah, their season's, ruined almost immediately that first game loss is such a such a killer you wait all year texas has usc in a couple weeks too so yeah well and texas had to be thinking you know they dropped all that money on herman this is there was just no way we're going to come out and lose this first game and that's just got to be crushing i I voted on that particular one for texas and the (laughs) a&m one was bad but you know at least it was ucla it wasn't <laughs> that that was a little more tolerable of an opponent. Yeah, at least I mean, they have an A&M, NFL caliber quarterback. And uh, won three fourths of that game handily. Um, they just forgot to, you know, win the fourth. And uh, Josh Rosen sure looked like a first round quarterback uh, afterwards. 
Boomer, uh, you know those fan bases well. What do you think? Uh, I voted for A&M. Just, uh, I just thought it was very nice of someone to encapsulate an entire Aggie season into one game, starting off so well and looking it's dominant true. early on and then just completely collapsing in a just a dumpster fire by the end of that game. I can't even explain how UCLA won that game. I'd stopped watching it for a while, and it turned over to Virginia Tech and West Virginia, which was also an entertaining matchup to watch. Yeah. And then I saw the story kept creeping up and had to flip it back. And just amazing. It wasn't like it was turnovers or short fields or anything for UCLA. They would just drive for 50, 60, 70 yards a time and score, and A&M yeah. did nothing. It was, it was kind of incredible, actually. Yeah, now A&M's quarterback went down, um, and Kellen Mond, who's very highly regarded, uh, but he could not – uh, throw the ball downfield. He didn't have any of that part of his game there yet. So, I mean, his offense definitely struggled. But, um, yeah, they, they just didn't have an answer for UCLA in the entire fourth quarter. I think their five touchdown drives told almost 400 yards of offense. So, um, pretty, pretty amazing change there. Uh, any other takes on other big games? You know, those, I mean, Sunday night ended, ended up being the two, like, most exciting games out there. Florida State, Alabama, um, not that exciting, uh, but went the way but, that uh, definitely we, consequential though with the, the loss of Francois. Yeah. I mean oh, that's yeah. a Titanic loss for Florida State in multiple levels. Losing yeah. to Alabama, yeah. so not looking good doing so, and then losing your Honky starting doesn't have quarterback. Their quarterback's name any longer? No, oh, thank gosh. Yeah. Well, DeAndre and then, Francois <laughs> and Alabama loses both outside linebackers. I mean it was a costly, sure. it was a costly game for both. But I think a nice segue too from the Twitter poll is Texas. Who'd they lose to? Well, they lost to Maryland. And when you yeah. look at the, the how the Big Ten came out of last weekend, obviously I did great with my pickums because I had Florida beating Michigan and that didn't happen and all kinds of good things. But Michigan wins. Purdue showed very well against Louisville. And we were trying to watch a little bit of the Purdue game during the Nebraska game, kind of going back and forth. And Purdue got hosed on a number of calls. Did Rutgers showed up well. What's that? I was just going to ask, Honk, did I hear right that Purdue's quarterback, Blau, did not – not play that game? Uh, you know what? I guess we didn't even have the sound on that one, so I guess I didn't even pay attention to that. I'm piece sure Boomer can check that for us, but I, I heard that on radio today. Anyway, I'm go sure. ahead. Yeah, It's just in general, the Big Ten looked extremely well. I mean, they came out of yeah. this this week. Um, you know, the teams that you, you expected to get blown out didn't, and then Michigan wins the big uh, crossover one against uh, the SEC opponent, and, and Penn State blew a team out, and so – there's an opportunity this weekend for Nebraska to do our part against Oregon on the road, 14-point underdogs, and who cares? Go down there, and, and if we get the job done, that will do a lot to help kind be, of seal the what the Big Ten's doing. Could be the Pac-12's first loss because I think they went 11-0 this week or something like that. So. Their only loss is Oregon State two weeks ago two weeks to ago. Uh, to Colorado State. That's the only loss they have to date. Yeah, Hockey, how did Iowa do? I forget. They, um, well, it was my lock of the week was for Wyoming to beat them. And Wyoming's punter uh, forgot to make contact with the ball with his foot. So that wasn't helpful. And then, unfortunately, one of our Nebraska kids that I have talked up very greatly, uh, C.J. Johnson, who I still think will be a very good uh, receiver for Wyoming, but he dropped a a touchdown pass that uh, kind of hurt. So Josh Allen, the QB at Wyoming, he's the real deal. I wouldn't – Iowa did fine. I, I, it was the I'd perfect nightmare that. for It was. Noah Fant. Because Noah Fant, who was a Nebraska kid, great. is on Iowa, beats Wyoming, the team that, you know, is full of Nebraska talent. 
and and they end up taking him down. It, was, yeah, it had to be heart wrenching like on a lot of levels. But you know, the Nebraska kid showed up well on both teams, and that's still that hurts no matter what you know for me. But regardless, um, it was a good win for Iowa, and and my lock got unlocked. I guess, or however you want to say. I that. still say it should have been played in Carney just because of that fact, right? You know? I agree. <laughs> I mean, we're doing all these damn neutral site things. Carney or Grand Island, somewhere in the middle there. Totally. Didn't didn't the Raiders play? I don't think they would have hurt North the Platt attendance once? really. <laughs> Dave, didn't didn't the Raiders play in North Platte one time like fifty years ago? With the Broncos, like back in like it's like fifty years ago in sixty seven, there was a preseason NFL game played in North Platte. It was a huge deal. It was the Broncos, I think, against the Raiders. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, all twelve thousand people came out to, to North Platte to see that game. But that's. Uh, uh, Probably the, the finest example of the NFL in Western Nebraska ever and only. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that's a that's got a big show here, man. We we need to, to plow through a lot of stuff here. So we got to break down the Arkansas State game. Got to move forward to Oregon. Uh, have a lot of stuff to talk about through the Big Ten as well as our weekly predictions. Throw the bones. The defensive breakdown. Next on the Go Big Redcast, we are throwing the bones. Something we did not see that much on Saturday night as Bobby D's uh, new 3-4 defense did struggle a little bit, uh, to say the least. You know, I've tried to talk uh, quite a few people off the off the ledge about this. Uh, obviously, the first half was, was pretty difficult. We did actually play, I think, better in the second half. Uh, I think I was doing the numbers as I was watching the game in the south end zone and uh, up to the uh, second to last drive of Arkansas State, we had only allowed about 130 yards and, and three points uh, defensively in the second half, but um, gave up a lot of yards and a whole lot of pass uh, completions to uh, Arkansas State. And so much that, that Bob Diaco actually had to work on Labor Day and uh, speak to the media about it um, and, and kind of explain uh, what was going on? So, uh, Mac, uh, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, what you saw on Saturday night and what uh, Diaco had to say today? Yeah, it was interesting. I was actually glad that he talked today because he he kind of did explain what I thought was sort of confusing to watch on Saturday. You know, it wasn't exactly the defense that I had envisioned in my mind, even though I knew that it had been kind of kept under wraps, but. Uh, I kind of in my mind had a, this feeling we'd be attacking more, a little more aggressive on the uh, defensive line play, maybe the corners playing a little more press. But what we ended up getting was a lot of really repetitive bubble screen passes and, you know, five-yard little gouges and dinking and dunking. And, and it was just a very bend. You could see the, the philosophy of bend don't break, but... We had some corners breaks. were playing so far back too. Oh my gosh! You know, crazy. I was I kept talking to Nicole. I'm like, I can't see the whole defense in the picture. They were so far back, you could never see. You know, like you'd only see about six guys on the screen. <laughs> you know, that's insane. I'm like, how far back are we playing? It was like playing prevent. Yeah, you know, for for really, most of the game, you had five men in the box most of the time. It felt like some of the corners were sometimes ten or fifteen yards back. Yeah. Uh, Honky, I mean, I think you have a take on this too, especially just the the um, basic nature of, of what was rolled out there over the over the course of the game. I mean, it was it was dif- different, that's for certain. Well, I think you hit on it well with the the second half and the and the numbers actually improving. And and when you rewatch the game again, it doesn't 
feel as bad as the first time around in that sense. In the first yeah. half, uh, it was, I mentioned vanilla ice cream earlier and how much I like it. Well, it was it was vanilla. Uh, I believe there's 48 first half plays and 43 of them we were in a base defense and uh, four we were in a nickel, one in dime, and those five uh, were all in like third and long situations. But if you think about it too, we tried a couple times early in the game. There was one or two places where we tried to do a blitz and we'd run off sides in one of the cases. Yeah, one of them, we right. had three linemen that were all standing up and doing kind of the Wisconsin standing thing that I mentioned last week we probably wouldn't do a lot of, so I was wrong there. Uh, we we do have that as part of the part of the playbook, but Freedom jumped on that. Um, and I think some of that, I don't know if that spooks, um, you know, Diaco a little bit that we just didn't come out real strong there. We had a great blitz from from uh, Kalu on one of the, the plays in the first half, and he just completely misses on the knocking the ball down and ends up being a completion to that Edwards guy on a, on a little slant. So I, I think Diaco tried to bring some pressure a couple of times, and it just didn't come through right. But most notably, and I don't know if this is something we did or something Arkansas State did, in the first half I believe their numbers were 13 bubble screens, and in the second half that number went down to like two or four. I, I can't yeah. remember. I saw that on a – on a tweet, so you know it's you know it's real. Um, <laughs> so that kind of described a little bit of the difference there, but they made a very clear point of talking about yards versus points and the and the difference there, and the importance is keeping guys off the or points off the scoreboard. And in that second half, it actually wasn't as bad as as we probably thought the first time. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, the, the I'm sorry, ahead. but I was going to say, and that that's kind of what he went into in his press conference today too was that he didn't care so much about the yards, and there were nine points kind of given up not by the defense, and you know the adjustments or the whole idea was with these young cornerbacks, you know, seeing their first significant game action against big wide receivers and who on film showed a real tendency to go deep a lot, you know, the whole idea was we're not going to get beat by those big plays. And, I mean, they clearly weren't. You know, the, the, the biggest play was, what, a 29-yard pass, and that came after a, a missed tackle, so that would have been, you know, sure. I think it was like 14 yards of yak after that. The biggest run was, oh, I don't want to say 16, somewhere in that range. Not a huge run, and, again, that was after a broken tackle, too. So, so the big plays were contained, which was, you know, obviously the philosophy, but then, you know, it's a football game. You know, every part matters. You, you you get a safety after an interception, and then you have to give the ball back up. I mean, it's a team sport. You know, you, 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 you get a stop, and then you punt return for a touchdown. It's, you know, and that's how it works. There was a couple opportunities for the offense to put this team away, and that would have probably changed a little bit of the game itself. So, I mean, it. I thought his explanation made sense. I'm not going to say that was totally satisfying, even in theory, but, you know... Um, I've also heard the theory that we're holding a whole bunch back for Oregon, and I find that to be a, just a very entertaining philosophy. I don't know, Matthew, what do you think about that honk, Michael? Well, I'm not sure how much you can keep holding back. I, it, I'm sure we held some things back, whatever. But, uh, you know, Riley said coming into the season, I mentioned on, on last week's show, there were two things that were very important to him. He said 94% of Big Ten teams win the game when they run for more than the opponent and when they win the turnover battle. And in this week, you know, that's something this works both ways, offense and defense, but we ran for 225 yards and we held them to 82 rushing yards. That doesn't get talked enough about because of all the passing, but we held them to 82 rushing yards. We had a 2-0 lead on the uh, 
on the turnover margin. And, you know, the game, as bad as it felt at times, it really wasn't a seven-point game. I mean, it probably felt more like a 14- to 17-point game, and it got away. They had some great special team. Think That onside kick was awesome, but but I think we're okay. Yeah, you know, I'm they, dying to die, I'm sorry. hold on, Mac. I'm just okay. I, I'm, I'm dying to talk about some of the the offense actually, uh, but I mean, just because of of how that played into how the defense performed in the fourth quarter. But before we get there, I, I, I just I want to like think a little bit more about the three four defense and the the Diaco defense in particular, or the Nebraska defense as he would say it, and and think about. Our, what do we learn from this performance and what we're going to expect going forward uh, in the bend but don't break type mentality? Because we did actually stop them in the red zone a couple different times, right? I mean, we had the INT and, and whatnot, and that, that played into us actually keeping them out of uh, the end zone uh, or, or scoring points in the second half until the last four minutes. Uh, do we... I mean, should we be bracing as Husker fans to expect a lot of that where we're going to give up quite a bit of yardage but keep them out of uh, the end zone? I think a lot of that will depend on the opponent, you know, and how they choose to attack us because I think a team that likes to throw a lot, you know, we could be suspect of that. You know, Arkansas State kind of just proved that. But I don't know that a team could just run – we we looked pretty good on our run fits, and I know this is an Arkansas State, and it wasn't a. And we went ter- to be honest, we weren't tested that much. They threw a lot, you know, so they didn't really try to press against the run game to see what they could do. But um, I don't think Diaco has any problem with giving up some yards in the, the middle as long as he's not giving up big plays and points. And the other thing I thought the tackling there were a few missed tackles, but I felt like Lamar Jackson tackled really well. Um, for the most part, I thought the whole team tackled pretty well, which was kind of a concern. You know, I think we all had a little bit based on how much they tend to scrimmage or actually tackle to the ground during during fall camp. So I thought those were good signs. And, um, you know, I guess I'm not going to talk about the offense right now, but the running back, the running back, I was going to say running backs, but the running back took contact pretty well, too. <laughs> so, true. you know, um, there, there were definitely positives. Some of the young guys played pretty good. I mean... Barry, nobody was nobody was ever truly truly beat. I saw some guys running around a little confused on their drops. Alex Davis, I don't know. I, to be honest, I need to rewatch a lot of the defensive line play. But the, the young kid, Thomas, oh my goodness, that kid's got some pop. He can really, you know. And I'm not knocking Stoltenberg. They're both they both have a role in this defense. But man, you watch him get his hands on the on the center, and he brings him in and he pushes him off, and it's sudden. And that's a freshman. I mean, that kid looks. That kid looks strong. So there, there are spots on the defense. You know, Mo Berry making some plays. There's a bunch of spots on the defense where I feel like, you know, we've got some players in there, and it, it might be a situation where as as trust and confidence grows in Diaco and his team, we might let him loose a little bit more. I don't know. Um, but, you know, if mission accomplished was to have more points than they did at the end of the game, then I guess mission accomplished. Yeah, I, I hear I'll go back to what we've said multiple times. There's no excuses, and we're not gonna. I'm not gonna make any excuses here. I will say for what Arkansas State, what you thought they were gonna do, coming with five fresh offensive linemen, they were smart. They weren't gonna try to sit there in a pocket and and take forever and get get you know destroyed by blitzers and in our D line. They got rid of the ball quick, and they were able to do that. 
they have a good QB. I mean, he was a, an Oklahoma recruit transfer, and they had they used Edwards. We talked about him last week, the receiver that was the Arkansas transfer. So they had some good players, but namely they were able to get the ball, get rid of it very quickly. Okay, so what are one of the things that we can start to do? As we get more comfortable with those corners, we can bring them up. And I, I no excuses, but it would have been interesting to see Chris Jones out there. We didn't have him, so – what you're doing is you're bringing in a couple of youngsters. These are guys that we have a lot of talent there. Lee and, and Jackson were the, the highest-ranked recruits out of their respective uh, uh, recruiting classes. So they're going into week two. I expect to start seeing them come up. And I don't think Oregon's going to sit there and just get rid of the ball as quick as Arkansas State did either. I think Oregon's going to try to test us. They'll try to, you know, and in the process of trying to test us, that gives us more opportunities to get to them, get to the QB, and and – you know, it's not going to be just throwing 68 passes against Oregon. I think that it's it's going to be a different type of game being played, and I think we will be more aggressive. And uh, and so I I don't want to I don't want us to to I don't want people getting too overworked about what they just saw on Saturday. Sure. You know, there's there's a lot of football to be played from that. I mean, do you feel like that uh, Jackson and, and Lee? actually I really learned a lot from this experience or is this something that really isn't transferable to like big 10 games right because to your point we're not going to see Iowa or Wisconsin throw the ball 68 times right I mean Arkansas State I don't I don't think uh Riley brought Diaco in to stop the Arkansas State offense right I mean he he's there to to solve big 10 offenses I mean or but at the same time, I mean, I guess maybe my question maybe is a better question is like, what did we actually see in a, as an adjustment in the second half to honky your point of actually seeing those bubble screens decrease to actually change Arkansas State's approach against what we were doing? Well, I will say, you know, in terms of maybe what these corners got out of this game, is they were absolutely in the action almost 90% of the time on oh, defense, geez. you know. And a lot of a lot of experience now trying to shedding blocks and shedding blocks off of big wide receivers, big strong guys, you know. So that kind of stuff will come in super valuable. Plus, I thought they both looked really willing, maybe not so very good every time about getting off contact, but they weren't, they weren't losing because of effort. Or because they were shy of contact, so that, I thought that was a good sign. Uh, you know, adjustment-wise, I think probably just staying more disciplined in their lanes and getting over help getting over quicker. Um, but you know, that's a, that's that's a kind of offense that you're just gonna if you were not gonna take anything, if you're not gonna allow them to get deep, then you're gonna have to accept getting chewed up a little bit in the middle until the field shrinks up behind you and you can defend that way. I mean, that, that and that just seemed to be exactly what we were planning on doing. You know with the exception of them either making a mistake or us making a play, you know, we were going to accept some yards between the 20s and then and then really short up when you know inside the red zone. Sometimes it happened, sometimes it didn't. Yep. Yep. I mean, we can beat up on the defense. We we can't have 68 passes and games and 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 400 plus yards and all that, but at the end of the day, uh Justin Hansen, Arkansas State's QB, he had a 61.8 QB rating. That compare that to Tanner Lee's 74%. He had two sure. interceptions. Those are things that, that – that, and they had 25 offensive points. And 25 is too many, right? 25 is too many. So they're, but, but start from that as the baseline, that if we're at 25 points and if we're getting two interceptions in a game and we're getting some knockdowns of passes and not every team is going to sit there and try to attack us 
the way that Arkansas State did. I, I, I'm actually okay with where we started from. Sure. You know, and maybe I'll, I'll bring Boomer in here a little bit too, though. Uh, he was at the game w- with me, actually. And as, as a, just a common fan, you watch that and, and you actually ask yourself, why wouldn't someone else try to attack us like Arkansas State? Because uh, in one of our previous shows, Honk, you mentioned, you know, that the 3 4 needs to get you in a, a down and distance on third down where it's, you know, you know, they're going to excel at third and eight, right? You want to, you want to win first and second uh, so you can, can go after the quarterback on third down. Well, in this scenario, they were picking up five to eight yards on every single first down play. It felt like, and so as an average fan boomer, what are you thinking when you're watching that game and you're watching Arkansas State just move down the field on simple, you know, route passing, you know, uh, it's very simple offense there, and you knew they were going to do the same thing over and over again. Well, it it does feel kind of disheartening, and it, it kind of touches on things we've talked about before um, when we talk about rushing games and. You always, we always like the the running game that just can't be stopped when you can do the same thing over and over again and the other yeah. team can't stop it. That kind of becomes demoralizing, you know, regardless of what happens. And I think it was we kinda, demoralizing. It felt That's that way, point. especially considering the the hype that I think there kind of was with the you know Diacomania here towards the the end of the fall camp and people talking up the the three four and kind of what they were seeing out of it and the buy in from the players. Uh, you know, Hockey brought up another good point. What are, what other teams are going to be capable of doing this on our schedule? I mean, is Illinois going to be able to have this kind of a passing game against us? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, there are teams that probably would be able to do this if they choose to do so. Um, you know, to have a decent quarterback and the line and, and the receivers to do this kind of game if they felt like doing it. So that could theoretically be a problem, but uh, we'll kind of see going forward on it. And I think McGuire, you know, just kind of in a nutshell again, it felt demoralizing, but McGuire brought up a great point about how this is a team game, and I think that that key point in this game, which really made us just made it feel worse than it was, was the after the safety, the offense gets the ball back and goes three and outs with uh, one of them being a pass, so we don't even chew up really that much clock, and then Lightborn probably has his worst punt of the day, you know, like I think it was 35 yards or so, and Arkansas State gets the ball at the 37. You know, we were yeah. up uh, what 43 to 29, I think, at that point. I mean, if we're able to chew up just multiple minutes, uh, Arkansas State's touchdown drive took like 12 plays or something like that, like three and a half minutes. They could easily have run out of time, you know, just trying to score with our little, you know, bend-don't-break philosophy or whatever we want to call it now. And honestly, it's kind of one of those weird quirks, but if you win a game 43-29, to does that really look that bad on paper? Do you feel, feel, would people feel bad about that? I mean, it's a seven-point difference between that and 43-36, to but it just kind of seems like a, a wider a wider finish there, and we really would have kept Arkansas State, you know, from really not scoring much at all that second half, and I think that was kind yeah. of a... I mean, perception yeah. versus reality. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. I think we can dive deep into that offense uh, here in just a, a few minutes here. Mac, uh, Honky, you want to wrap this up with anything? Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just say with the, the demoralizing part of it, I think that when they really get to watch the film of it and they realize how much they actually gave up, you know, point-wise and everything, there is a difference between... You know, they were getting six to eight yards on first downs, but, again, that's between the 20s. Once they got down to that red zone, there weren't a lot of points being scored off of all of those yards. If they threw for 415, if a team runs for 415, that's demoralizing because you can't stop a team that's running for 415 yards. You I don't know. Ask, ask Tennessee tonight. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. But 
typically you're not going to be able to stop that team once you get into the red into the red zone. And once they got into the red zone, the defense, you know, I think there is that bend and break a little bit in the twenties between the twenties. That's a bit of a of a tough thing to watch sometimes. Uh, but I I think that we will improve upon on some of that. I think we'll be getting those corners as they get more comfortable. They're going to be moving up. It, we're not going to be just gimmying some of those those catches and I don't think it's going to be as demoralizing I think we're going to gain more from this game against Arkansas State than Oregon's going to gain by putting 77 up on Southern Utah that's that's what I think ultimately is going to come out of it so then I have a question with his game plan is that what you think people have more of a problem with is his actual game plan or do you think it was more of the execution of his game plan because with the exception of a few broken plays and then you know nine points from the uh, that weren't attributed to the defense. You could have argued that that defensive game plan worked pretty well, but it doesn't seem like you know it wasn't very fun I, to watch. Sure, Mac, I, I can tell you from the north ends or south end zone, uh, the people behind me were like, "Why don't they put someone out there to cover yeah. that guy?" Right? I mean, that's the initial response is like, right. "What are they doing playing fifteen yards back? They know they're going to do that same thing over and over again." And we're not blitzing, and we're just rushing three on so many plays. Exactly. That's but the let's, vanilla. But let's say we don't give part. up those. But that but was if, the game plan. Right, but let's say we don't give up those nine extra points. Like Mike was saying, seven points makes a huge difference. Let's say we don't give up those nine points that the defense didn't give up, how much better sure. that score looks and how much better his his game plan actually looks. you know. But I, but I understand, I totally understand that it looks like we're not adjusting because that's what it looks like. It looks like, why aren't we adjusting when the reality is, no, we're going to let that happen this whole game. Until yeah. it gets down to here, so yeah. it looks like you're not adjusting. Is really more like, nope, we're sticking to our game plan. You are not going to beat us deep. We've got young corners. We're going to protect them. And it's and you know, if you miss a tackle, that's one thing. But you know, as far as like where my guys are when it's time to make a play, I've got them in positions to make plays. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can understand people's frustration on one hand, which is why I think it was good that Diaco came out and talked today, and maybe why he should consider talking on game day about what his philosophy was because once he did it made a lot of sense to me and I'm like okay well yeah I can see that and he could have he could have diffused a lot and hopefully that's one thing he can take away you know if, yep. if you if people haven't picked up on this yet Bobby Diaco is an intense dude the guy <laughs> is on it's not a joke this is how he lives his life so you know I, I, I love the guy he's perfect for defense but I but you know, there's there's things we're going to have to accept about him. Yeah. What do you think, Honky? Uh, I'll just I'll put an end kind of to the. I know we got to move on to the offense, but I'll I'll talk about. Uh, I'll just say, I hate to say another week. Wait another week to to find out more. But I really believe wait a week. We'll know a lot more about this defense after we play Oregon, and I think we'll know a little bit more about Arkansas State after they host Miami this weekend. And if they go out and lay a dud and put up zero points we could say oh that that's not very good but if they put up 35 or 40 on Miami and 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 we can help shut down Oregon and 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 win the game by at least one I think uh we'll pretty quickly you know forget any issues we had off of week one yeah good point I I think we're definitely going to have uh Miami Arkansas State is one of our uh, our game picks. So, all right, let's uh, let's call that a, a segment on throwing the bones. Scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. We are diving into scoring explosion, breaking down the offense against Arkansas State. 
you know, I, there's a lot of positives uh, to talk about that offensive performance. Maybe it wasn't perfect, but uh, I think we did see what uh, Riley has been striving for for uh, going on now three years, and that is balance. Uh, that was a balanced offensive performance. Uh, we had a run game that was effective. Uh, we had a featured back with Trey Bryant, and we had a quarterback in Tanner Lee that uh, made a lot of a lot of throws uh, and a couple of beautiful TD passes. Uh, Honky, uh, you've been a uh, someone who's questioned the term balance before. Uh, what do you uh, see on Saturday night with uh, Riley and Langsdorf's uh, offense? Well, I saw balance. <laughs> you know, we had 30, <laughs> all right. I got that had, right. Sweet. We had thirty-two passes for two hundred thirty-eight yards. We had thirty-eight runs for two hundred twenty-five. So there was good balance there, and I think there's a lot of positives as as you pointed out that that you can come from the game. Uh, all fall camp, we had talked about the lack of a running back separating himself or having a workhorse back. And I'll tell you what, Bryant certainly looked like he'd separated himself. 31 carries for 192 yards. That's the most most carries that uh, any back has had under Riley through through the three years now. Uh, we also had a 100-yard receiver in Morgan. Hey, and, Honk, could I pause you for a second? Mm-hmm. Boomer, can you look up uh, Riley's uh, Oregon State running back stats, if we have anybody close to 31 carries uh, with the Beavers? Yeah, I'll do a little digging uh, quick. Mike? Yeah. I would look, I would start with your kids. That was Rogers. my first guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to mm-hmm. see those numbers, though. All right, Honk, go ahead. Well, and I was just going to mention that you know Morgan had the hundred yards receiving, and that's the guy that we expect to yeah. have hundred yards receiving in a game. Do that twelve times, and we have our thousand yard receiver. And obviously, Lee, I, you know what I like? There was a lot of hype about him. There, there will continue to be a lot of hype about him. I thought he played really well on Saturday night. It wasn't outstanding. It wasn't. 400 yards passing, but it was efficient. It was good. It was 19 of 32. I like those numbers, 32 passes. That's that's a number. Yep, I'd rather right. see that than 45. And uh, and his QB rating, 74.2. That was above the, the opponent's 61.8. So I like that. And in a little bit here, I'll probably break down a, a bit of the, uh, the scripted plays, the first drive or two. But I really like some of the personnel that we were doing. The formations that we were showing them, I don't. It was pretty vanilla. I think overall we were pretty vanilla, but we gave a lot of things. We showed a lot of things, and that's what I was hoping for. I, I talked about that last week. We showed a lot of things without doing a lot of different types of trick plays and crazy things, but we showed a lot. So I we'll get into that in a little bit. But but uh, all in all, hard to not be very happy uh, coming off of that first game, offensively. Yeah. I was counting the uh, the formations there because of what you said last week, and I mean it was it was multiple. There's no doubt about that. Uh, a lot of a lot of double tight sets, and then then wideouts and everything in between. It was it was very multiple. Uh, Mac, your initial thoughts? You know, it was it, to be honest with you, I really felt like this was about exactly how I it should look when it's working. The way I pictured it, and I know that how that that sounds, but I seriously thought, okay, with an efficient quarterback, and I don't think Tanner Lee was playing very well, but he was not trying to be a hero. He was very much working within the offense. You know, he yeah. didn't he didn't force any balls for the most part. A couple times he got out of the pocket and he threw some maybe questionable balls, but 
it's his first game in 600 odd days. You know, I'm going to forgive a little bit of that. And 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 the fact is, he settled down and played a lot smoother. So, so with a quarterback not trying to be a hero and a and a sophomore running back kind of coming into his own, you know, the tight end play was there. We had a big play with with our big time wide receiver, and that's just cool to see. Stanley Morgan's supposedly our best wide receiver, and Stanley Morgan goes out and has our best wide receiver game. That's cool to see. DeMornay Pearsonell falls in second, and I'd say he probably had the second best game. And some plays called back on him, too. You know, his stats could have been oh, even better. He was so close. And, you know, the freshman, the, you know, the red, redshirt freshman, yeah. Spielman, yeah. oh my oh, goodness. Spielman was great. great debut. Great debut, and you can just, you can see they're scratching the surface with these guys. And then Tyjon Lindsay gets his feet wet, didn't blow anybody away, but the fact is, he's in the game plan. They're using him. You know, the, all these guys. It's funny, too, because the wide receivers got a ton of different reps and looks and everything like that. You know, they work through the freshmen. They work through the seniors, even the tight ends. Um, but the running backs, they stuck with one guy for the most part until he got tired. Trey yeah. Bryant, you know, all this talk, you know, how are we going to do the, the quattro back? Are we going to do the, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, how many, how many different guys are going to get carries? How are we going to split this up? Well, Trey Bryant turns out a little bit of a hoodwinker. The guy, the guy owns the spot, and I think, quite frankly, justifiably. Well, that doesn't surprise he, us at all, does it, Mac? We talked about that at the spring at the coaches' clinic. We talked about it that we didn't get to see him in fall camp, but we wouldn't be surprised. Compared to what the coaches were saying, though. Yeah. They, I, I, we both, yeah, we both expressed the thought that he's probably the guy. I just It felt like he was the guy. It, you know, when, when, uh, when Devaney was talking about him, we know what we have in Trey Bryant. But but you know what Riley also mentioned today in the press conference? It's not because we don't trust our backups. And Wilbon got in there, scored a touchdown, looked pretty good. And I, I, it's too bad Devine didn't get in because I think Devine is, is poised to have a pretty good year. I think that'll happen again. What I really think they were doing with the running back position is they wanted to see what happens when they let Trey have the whole game. Can we count on this guy? Do we have the... Do we have the you know the 30 carry guy in the stable and we do and we know that now so now we don't have to do that to him every week now we can go 22 carries and bring some other guys in in the, at the you know at the end of the half and into the, the game to keep him fresh so you know it's it's a win for those guys he traced Trey stayed healthy he stayed relevant you know he didn't put the ball on the ground at all no turnovers on the yeah, offense fantastic yeah. Yeah. you know that on the first game go ahead dave no, I was just wondering, do you feel like I, – I remember reading uh, Trey's uh, uh, comments after the game and talking about how getting in that rhythm was so important because he was able to, after doing the same play a couple different times and seeing the defense react to the block essentially, he was able to start to cut back uh, and, and read that defense better because of the ability to get into that rhythm. Something that we haven't seen the last couple of years really. No, and that's a good point too because I really think one of his better qualities is his his what you could just call it feel. He's got a really good sense of where the soft spots are on the defense, and he's pretty sudden for what seems to be a big back. He runs a little tall, and I think that's I I, I hope that doesn't set him up for a big hit down the road. But man, he is agile for as high as he runs. He is his feet are great. A little bit so of he goes into in contact there, right? well, but and he shows explosion throughout his run. Now his his breakaway speed. Yeah, yeah. I was a little disappointed with that, but I feel like eh, I'm not going to judge it yet. It was the first game. 
Uh, he's getting some prime time carries for the first time. He could have been a little tired, but man, I, I liked his game a lot. I had no problem with how we used him. Honky, so, you know. uh, I'll let you uh, wax poetic on Trey Bryant too, but maybe add a little bit on the offensive line there. What do you think about their performance and their their blocking for our running backs? I think it was it was good. Uh, it's not perfect, uh, and there are certainly plays. Uh, you know, Farmer whiffed on a on a couple of blocks there. One of them, I think, led to a was that the safety? And I know yeah, we yeah. definitely had safety. a sack. But you know, we can and we can pinpoint individual bad plays, but. But that's not fair also to look at the good ones. And, Mac, you mentioned earlier that uh, Lee's deep ball to uh, Morgan, the touchdown, that was a great play across the board. It was based off of the run. It was a play action. The the blocking between the backs and the line, holy smokes, there wasn't a guy within five yards of, of Lee when he throws it. And then that pass that Lee makes is a pass that we haven't seen a Husker QB make in that stadium in a long time. And that's just that's one example. Point. But there were some great runs that we had. Um, when I broke down the uh, the first two drives that we had, one of them led to the field goal, and the other one was a, basically a three and an out three and out for a punt. But uh, when I broke those, those two drives down, in 10 plays or in 11 plays, we had 10 different formations. We did that basically out of the same form, uh, personnel for the most part. I think eight of the plays, or let's see, or six of the plays were out of 12 formation. And when you hear guys say that 12 formation, the one is one running back, the two is two tight ends. Uh, so we were in 11 personnel for three of the times. That's one running back, one wide receiver. And we were in 21 personnel one time, which is two backs and one tight end. When we got into the two, uh, the two back set, the fullback basically ended up playing the same type of role as a tight end did so they they were kind of interchangeable when you hear that h-back kind of thing we would have a line a, a, a fullback lined up in the same spot that a tight end was and we were pulling guys uh my gosh we ran the same play two times where one of them we were just looked like we were zone blocking the next time we're pulling the backside guard and the center we pulled fullbacks i mean there was a lot going on on those plays and like i said for no, if nothing else there's a lot for oregon to prepare for and I can see how Bryant in 31 carries and running some of the exact same plays five, six, seven times, but having it run out of different looks, I can see how he adjusted to the game or how he got better because he could see how something was opening up or adjusting to how we were blocking it a little differently. Absolutely. And so uh, I, I was pleasantly pleased with the, with the, with the O-line, to be honest with you. I didn't it's always easy to pick on those one or two major issues or major plays yeah. where something breaks down. Hear, but yeah. on the whole, well, yeah, I let's thought we not did forget, well. Yeah, let's not forget about this outstanding pass rusher they had on that team that we kept hearing about all week. Yeah, Are we going to yeah. contain this guy? I mean, what would they have? One sack? Yeah, and two, and and I think so. Yeah, and a three hundred and twenty-five pound Alabama transfer who has the greatest defensive line name in the history of college football, D, D Liner. Yeah, you know that <laughs> D Love. I mean, he was born. That should be a rapper. <laughs> that was a, that was the strength of their defense, and I thought again we were very efficient running the ball. Five point nine you know, yards Tanner, a carry. That's absolutely I'll take Tanner. It. You could. I'm sorry. I was just going to say a little bit about Tanner. You know, he did a good job of getting rid of the ball pretty well. He rolled out a few times, and he threw back a couple of times questionably, but but the, he did a pretty good job of getting rid of the ball. It's kind of like what we had heard him been doing 
all camp, which is nice to see. You know, it, it feels like, and I was, you know, I was talking to people. I was watching the game, like when the running game. I kept saying, you know, gosh, it feels like Trey's gonna break one. You could just kind of tell he was really close on a few, just a couple nicks here and a one more decisive cut there, and then he finally did kind of break one. So I was right, which was awesome. And then Tanner, you know, <laughs> when Tanner Lee, so, he's stepping back and he's getting into this rhythm, and you can start telling when he starts hitting that back foot and throwing it. You know, these guys are going to grow. This is their first game. I mean, think about that, guys. It's uh, true. Hoppus, Spielman, Tajon getting their first big-time minutes ever yeah. together. I mean, and this is a new quarterback, too. Sure. You know, so there's a lot of growth potential here, and I didn't think it was too bad to start with. So I'm, a, I'm really encouraged on that. But, I mean, obviously there were, some, there were some issues on the offense, too, no doubt. Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's a few missed throws out there. I, I think – one of them that I think was a missed throw, or actually probably a drop actually by Hoppus, was uh, we got a field goal to start the game, and that should have been a touchdown. Oh, for like, sure, Dave. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, now, the, the, the actual touchdown, the throw to Stanley, was just beautiful. I mean, that was just – that's what you wanted to see from, from Tanner Lee from the So game. satisfying. I mean, uh, wasn't that such a satisfying yeah. play to actually see it in the first game? Everything you heard about this guy, he actually drops a dime from the 50 to the end zone to our best player. I mean, tell me that didn't feel great. I'm like, oh, uh, my goodness. You know, it. it was it, I haven't felt that good since, like, Team Magic blew up against Washington and sprinted all <laughs> over them. You know, it was like, oh, this is fun to watch. And we had thir- we had cool. 32 minutes and 18 seconds of time of possession, and that's with a 99-yard kickoff return added in yeah. there. So, you know, basically a lost possession there. Um, you could say they had the, the punt return. But the point is, if we can have some time of possession, if we can run the ball the way that we ran it, and that's opening up some of the play action that we had, I like that's a great start. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, uh, and maybe Boomer, you might want to want to jump on this because you love clock management and play calling. Clock management in particular. Uh, in the fourth quarter, we had a couple of drives there that I think we could have iced the game and not had the situation that we had, which was a last second uh, attempt from the 11 yard line to tie the game, and we were not able to convert on on third down in the fourth quarter. Uh, at least I think both I think maybe both third downs were, were throws. We didn't run the clock out like we probably could have. Uh, it wasn't as bad as some of the uh, uh, situations with Riley in year one, uh, but it still felt like um, uh, a couple missed throws or maybe a different play call in the fourth quarter could have had a very different end result uh, because we were at 43-29, and literally if we could just have converted a third down or two in the fourth quarter and scored one more touchdown, we're looking at a 50-29 to 29 game, you know? Oh, yeah, and that's kind of what I'd mentioned earlier when we were talking defense. It's just that, that the one series that you mentioned after that safety, I mean, we could have iced that game and or just even chewed up more clock and they wouldn't have been able to get that long yeah. three-and-a-half-minute drive. Again, it's a little worrisome. That was an issue with Riley, you know, a few times already in his past, just making some uh, – questionable decisions when it comes to clock management late in games, so you hope that was just a fluke this this week and that's been taken we just care have of. have a grad yeah. assistant be the clock I've, manager? I have volunteered my services to a great many programs in the past, you know, whether it's guys like uh, you know Les Miles or anyone like that, for a very minimal salary, I will sit there and just watch the clock for you and tell you what to do. 
So it, it doesn't seem like it would be that difficult, but uh, so Just many programs can't clock handle it. Another minute, yeah, and the onside never happened. Well, exactly. They would have yeah. thrown the ball down the field more. They couldn't have dink and dunked it the whole way down. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. Know. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But it just seems to be a challenge. It's kind of yeah, frustrating, and again, it just plays into that whole offense-defense all working together. And uh, oh, I was just going to get back to your uh, Oregon State rushing. I haven't. Oh yeah, fire away. Haven't completely uh, scanned through the entire Riley area at Oregon State. The most recent time I can have with uh, Oregon State Beaver uh, carrying the ball more than thirty times a game was in. Let's see, what year would this have been? 2011, I think it was, with uh, Malcolm Agnew carried the ball 33 times against Sacramento State. That was a losing effort, uh, so we won't go into that. But uh, they yeah. lost to Sac State. Yeah, and, and that was in overtime, so it's hard to say how many carries he had in overtime, which could have changed things. Uh, let's see, uh, Rogers did have uh, two games that I noticed where he carried the ball over 30 times. One of those was a double overtime game where they lost to Washington. Just kind of scanning. Are you saying thirty carries by the by the starting tailback? Or yes, thirty attempts. Yeah, that's by the starting oh, okay. tailback. Yeah, which is so yeah, what thirty I thought carries an attempt for a game is pretty high. Yeah, most of the time anybody. he's sure absolutely. Yeah, but Trey did did do thirty one times right. for one ninety two. So I was just no 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 no. I see what you're saying, but I thought if you were looking up past running backs who averaged thirty carries for the season, oh, that'd be pretty hard to find. Right, right. Yeah, so that the last kind of, but the last one who had a thirty carry game for Riley. The Riley. Yeah, that's the best I could find right now. 2011. Just kind of okay. scanning his uh, some of the game stats and the box scores. It's kind of amazing how many guys he has touched the ball in a running on a running play. A lot of times you're getting five or six, seven people having rushing attempts in a game. So usually he's been For spreading sure. it out. Wide receivers, yeah, wide receivers always, run a lot of yeah. reverses and yes. the like. So yeah, definitely a little yeah. little away from I think type, that'll I hold think, true form. Yeah, absolutely. I think that'll hold true for us too. I mean, if you look at this last game. You know, with DeMornay getting it, uh, J.D. would have got one. Yep. Um, he, so, Devine, not Devine, but uh, Mikel and then M- Trey. McNitt got one. McNitt mm-hmm. got one. So, I mean, and that's pretty minimal, actually, considering we could have rotated at least a, two more running backs in there. And I'd say Tyjon Lindsay's a lock to get a carry before the season's oh, over, sure. you know. I mean, that's and that's the thing. I love, I love the concept of this offense. When it's working like that, my goodness, it looks like we've got all the tools. And if and if Danny gets to tinker, and Tanner's delivering, and we're protecting him, you know, one more one more side note. And I, I hate to digress, but Tanner did take a couple good shots yesterday, and and my man got up pretty strong. You know, he didn't even get rattled. It was good to see him take those shots, and I bet it was good for him too because the last time he got hit hard. He broke his hand, so it was it was nice to see him get up and he competed well. And now we need to not let that happen the rest of the year. So <laughs> <laughs> protect the quarterback, right? That's the truth. All right, guys. Anything else on scoring explosion? Uh, I just kind of wanted to touch base on something else I brought up last week. The just watching the difference in special teams. Oh, Again, yeah. we, we talked about that a little bit last week, how important that was going to be in a change. And oh. I, I think overall, I mean, would you guys say you're pleased with the special teams? I think we saw improvements. I mean, Lightborn's punts are, I think, noticeably better. His average was about three or four yards better than his you know, season average was last year, and he did pin him deep a couple times, so that was a plus. One did get returned, but I think that could have been a, a tackle. Yeah, we, yeah, we should have had that one. A lot better. I yeah, oh, I, I feel uh, like yeah, he way. I thought he looked great actually. Oh, I, yeah. I'm surprised they're not talking more about that 
but a no, couple you're inside right, the tens. Yeah, yeah. And really Drew Brown part. was getting touchbacks quite a bit, he, so that was I thought that was successful. And I thought so there was, was it was a game of extremes with our special teams because we had some very good yeah. things go on and some very bad things. But I think they were all things that that really were good for us to go through and experience in week one. Drew Brown there had some great kickoffs, had one or two, at least one that went out of bounds. Kicked one out of bounds. Can't can have yeah. that. We have the punt return, which was kind of unfortunate the way it bounced around, but, hey, it's still something to work on. And then you you, re, you follow that up with an, a, just an awesome kickoff return. wasn't that great to see. The onside mm-hmm. kick that they had against us, that was an outstanding kicked Onside kick. I mean, that is. Yeah, I'd love to hear thing. more about that honk. I, I I was trying to figure out what was happening. It felt like we didn't go after the ball as strong as we should have, but apparently, it really had a really funky bounce there. Is it was right? a perfect hop, and it was Demorney that it went over. Yeah. Demorney's got crazy hops, and it's not like he didn't time it right. He high pointed it. The kick was perfect. So he's high pointed, and everybody's blocking for him. It goes over him, and it was just. It was. I'm, it was going to be hard to defend. I, At that point, it yeah. was a free for all. I just think it, you was, know. So, so yeah, go ahead. I just think it was a lot of good things to prepare us for that I don't know that everybody in week one gets prepared for. The other thing that, that I want to touch on, and we talked about it last week, and it's specifically why I want to touch on it. Did you notice the first punt return? I think it bounced out of bounds, but the first punt return, we yep. have two guys back there, Morgan I and DP. That. And that I even texted you on that was differences. Awesome. That's what happens. The red cast makes a difference. We have power. Well, listen, obviously. You know, and and to that point, I don't recall too many punts that they had that went over our head or bounced for 30 yards. So again, if we can have field position, if we can have time of possession, if we can run the football, if we can throw the ball off of that run with play action and all that, yeah. if we can do those things and we're distributing the ball to a lot of different guys, I like what we're doing on offense and that's going to be our best friend when we're playing in Oregon that's going right. to want to have 90 plays against us like Arkansas State just did. And I think yeah, we'll make the improvements right. on defense, but that offense can help us out a lot that way. And, and and not to beat up on the offense too bad, but it failed us at the very end of this last game, and we addressed that. <laughs> it, it, it failed. But you failed it me. It failed us in that, in that to, to end the game, and that's an area that needs to improve. But, but overall, damn pleased with that offense. Yeah, yeah, I just think the glimpse of what it can be is very exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about that. I really feel like uh, if it there's a bu- there, we left a lot on the field, you know. So and that encourages me about how much better we can be. You know, there was just like like you said, Dave, with Hoppus dropping a ball. I felt like there was another play that that was really close to being perfect. So I mean, there's a, we left on we left some points on the field, which encourages me, and I think defensively. Uh, we gave away some points that we shouldn't have, you know, with the, you know, the punt return and the uh, yeah, it's true. And you know, special teams wise too, it was it was interesting. It was a real mixed bag between, you know, you know Drew Brown's kicks were you know were amazing, and then he kicks one kickoff out of bounds, which is crazy. He's never done that before, you know. But otherwise, brilliant. And then Caleb looked great. Uh, the punt return or the, the you know the punt coverage return that was unfortunate. But kind of one of those broken plays that can sometimes happen on you. It was just, it was just one of those games, and it was the first game, so no big deal. We won the game. Yeah, yeah, they, they could definitely get better. All right, guys, I think that's uh, that's a throw in the bones plus special teams right there. So let's uh, wrap that up, and we'll be coming back with scarlet colored glasses. You're listening to the Go Big Redcast, and now. 
scarlet-colored glasses. And we're back on the Go Big Redcast, and I believe it is trivia time. Trivia time. Ooh, All right. What do you got? All right. This question was suggested by, or actually was asked by a loyal podcast listener, Brad. Uh, he asked, uh, when is the last time Nebraska has been a double-digit underdog to a non-conference foe? Nebraska is currently, I believe, a 14-point underdog to Oregon. Uh, the line moved pretty quickly in Oregon's favor, so I asked that question. 14 points. When is the last time Nebraska was a double-digit underdog to a regular season non-conference foe? Regular season. Right. I have. I'm going to immediately jump to USC. Yeah. But yeah, I'll 07. have to think. I don't think yeah. 07. I'd say 06 because 07 was the home game here, and we were ranked in the yeah. teens or whatever, so the corn versus wow. porn. My guess is 06 out at, um, at – well, let's just make sure that there's nothing – between you know the Virginia Tech. What about Virginia Tech? Well, you win Washington. Well, so so the way to break this down is it's non-conference. So who have been our home and aways moving backwards from from Oregon? You had Miami the two years prior to that. Yeah. Prior to Miami would have been UCLA. Prior to UCLA would have been Washington. Prior to that would have been so Vontech. Prior to that would have been USC. No. I can't imagine USC, any of those to, between USC yeah. and now. I'm going to say yeah, it had to be. USC. I'll say 06 USC. Eight. You're certain with USC that it was double digit? That I'm, is my final. Answer. I'm not certain. I just think that that's makes as much sense as as any. I mean, I think 06 out at the at the Coliseum would have been it. If it's not if it's not USC and 06, it has to go way back. I Holy think, smokes! Right? That's all I'm comfortable on speculating. Correct. And, and yes. actually, I'm I'm curious, Boomer. If it's not, don't tell us the next part. I just I almost want right, to kind of know. Uh, yeah, that's fair. We'll take it in let's steps. Say. Jointly, we're saying 2006 USC, and if it's wrong, give us a second shot. Boomer. All right, well, conveniently, you won't need a second shot because that is the correct answer. Uh, Nebraska was a, was a 17-point underdog to USC prior to that game. Kind of surprising. So Wow. And that's actually one of the few times we've been a non-conference underdog going back to the data that I could find. It's hard to find good uh, stat lines for you know Vegas odds back in the seven or you know seventies and eighties, which I couldn't even imagine the last time prior to that we would have been a non-conference uh, underdog by that substantial Oof. amount. You know, bowl games. Granted, we were some underdogs in some of those, but uh, otherwise, yeah, we were seventeen-point underdogs to to USC going into that game. When did I'll Vegas? Intriguing how much that swings back. Sadly, we didn't cover the spread either. It's... Well, yeah, it's true. It feels like we started at five or, or six. It sounds like with Oregon. Yeah, it, money moved and quickly. Yeah, it was a very so that that likely moves back a little bit, but it still probably stays double digits. Uh, wow, we allowed a ton of points. You know, on paper it looks like. I mean, not not yeah. even on paper, just on the scoreboard, we allowed a lot of points. I feel like, you know, it. it I understand the line. You know, I guess. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it totally makes sense. I. It's hard yeah. to hard to argue that, and I guess this segues in a little bit to Oregon itself. They put up seventy seven points. They put up seven hundred and three or five yards, something like that. They had three hundred. Hey, honk. Yeah, we're going into scarlet colored glasses right now, aren't we? We are going into scarlet colored glasses. Excellent. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, they had three hundred and fifty five passing yards. They had three hundred and forty eight rushing yards. Uh, so fairly balanced there and, and a lot of yards, but I'll kind of go back to what I said earlier in the game or on the show is that 
I don't know that you get as much, if you're Oregon, I don't know if you get as much out of beating the heck out of Southern Utah and putting up 77 points, as impressive as that is, I don't know if they learn as much about their team and gain as much from that first game as all the things that Nebraska did with Arkansas sure, State. Sure. So um, Oregon has uh, Justin Herbert is their, their quarterback. They have Royce Freeman back at, at running back, and they have uh, Cami or what is it? Cami, Kanai, Benoit, whatever. Uh, Benoit. Benoit. Yeah, Benoit nah, not going to work here yeah. anymore. <laughs> not going to work here anymore. So they have uh, two different guys that ran for 100 yards in the game. They had a 99-yard receiver in Charles Nelson, but their best receiver and the guy that, that had some good plays against us last year, Carrington, he's now at uh, Utah where he caught 10 passes, 100-plus yards, and a touchdown crazy. Uh, against yeah. North Dakota last weekend. So Charles Nelson is not – is that not the uh, proper name of Prince? Well, he was Charles Nelson was also on the match game seventy six, uh, I think, or that was Charles Nelson Riley, but that kind of uh, dates. Charles in Charge was a sick. That was Scott Bayo. That, that was a Here random. That was Scott Bayo. Oh, I, yeah. I thought I actually had something with Charles Nelson the yeah. third, but uh, yeah, and and Boomer, I'm also dying to know where is uh, Southern Utah located in because I mean. There's nothing in Southern Utah. So. Uh, strangely, if I had to guess <laughs> without looking it up, I'd say St. George. That's the only thing I can think of in Southern Utah. That was my. I'll guess. find out for I you don't... shortly. Yeah. I I know they're the Thunderbirds. Uh, if that helps. Oddly, uh, that's great. Oh, that's yeah, a great that's, song. Yeah. I mean, a band. Yeah. Oddly, it's in Montana. The ones. That's the strange thing. It's it's kind of like Kent State. It's not in Kentucky. Um, yeah. But Purdue State, not in the state of Purdue, <laughs> or not Purdue. I mean Peru. Sorry. Yes. That's right. Anywho, too many red beers tonight, fellas. Yeah. Southern Utah is located in Cedar City. Cedar City. That, Cedar yeah, City. That's yeah, like it's in Bonanza or something. It might uh, as well be. So yeah, I, I think to Honky's point, uh, I don't know if the Ducks were tested versus Southern Utah. Uh, hey, we played Arkansas State, but at least they are Sun Belt and um, a, a FBS foe. Uh, they did actually give up some yardage and some points, I guess, to Southern Utah. So I, I guess the interesting thing there is, did Jim Levitt's you know defense at Oregon also struggle to it's to some degree similar to Diaco's defense at Nebraska? And what does that mean come Saturday? Yeah, Oregon gave up 365 yards to Southern Utah. They also lost the time of possession, uh, 33 minutes and 45 seconds. Southern Utah had again Oregon. some of these stats, you know, can be a little skewed when you look at the game being 77 to 20, whatever. Uh, Oregon, in true Oregon fashion, had 12 uh, 12 uh, penalties for 115 yards. They also had a couple of turnovers. Mm -hmm. So when you go back to what Riley talked about being important, 94% of teams win it in the Big Ten when they run the ball more and have less turnovers. I think there's opportunities there. I certainly do. Uh, as far as a, a social media question we had, we have a first one of our uh, Facebook followers, Travis Wilbeck. He asked, uh, "Will the Husker defense uh, was the Husker defense holding back to not show the Ducks anything, or was that as good as they are?" Well, we'll find out. I mean, this is a an offense here that's that they're going to try to test us running and passing. And we saw Royce Freeman last year before he got injured. He certainly was starting to have a, a decent, you know, uh, a game against us. Uh, I think our front seven's ready for a physical contest. That we didn't get to see that against Arkansas State. That's one thing that just didn't. That, that wasn't the nature of what that game's going to be. 
I think Oregon's going to try to to establish a run against us. They're going to try to hit us up the gut. They're going to try to do some fly swoops around. And I'm I'm really I'm intrigued. I'm interested to see what that front seven, Diaco's three four, how we do against the, those backs and tackle, and and it, yeah, you know I if look I mean if we give up. 348 rushing yards like Southern Utah did, we're probably going to be in a lot of trouble. But Riley would tell you the game. same thing. Yeah. He wants to outrun the sure. opponent and have, sure. you know, finish better off in turnovers. So on the defensive side, Oregon, they've got, you know, they had the Clemson graduate transfer that Scott Pagano on D-line. Their, uh, their uh, best player, probably linebacker, Troy Dye, and he had 10 tackles in the last game, including a sack, a couple tackles for losses. Um, big guy, 6'4", 225. They had another linebacker, Justin Holland, 6'6", 237. So two big, tall linebackers that are adjusting, as you mentioned, Dave, to Levitt's uh, new 3-4. So they, Oregon just historically, Oregon's been a 3-4 defense forever. They bring in Brady Hoke mm-hmm. last year. He goes to a 4-3. It was a failed experiment. And now uh, Levitt's just taking him back to what they've been doing forever. Do you think it'll sure. serve us any better? That we've been seeing a three four all throughout fall camp, you know. I mean, right, one would That's think great that point. it has to help a bit, you know, as opposed to one that you just sort of set up for one game. But I mean, boy, though, it seems like there are some, there's some, there's a three four and there's a three four. I mean, there are definitely differences because sometimes it seems like our backers were so far off the line, and other times way up on, up against it. So yeah, I mean, I Newby know. and Gifford were so wide sometimes it felt like you know we did only have five guys in the box in that scenario yeah i mean i could see some of that again when oregon spreads us out right i mean well you know the tack like you know like we talked about before that tackling being pretty good was encouraging because that's how oregon has traditionally just killed teams is is missed tackles and one missed tackle against oregon is you know lots of times six so, you know, I could see, you know, people shouldn't panic next week when Oregon's putting up yards against us because they absolutely will. Yes. The ball's going to move. So you need to relax about that and just we got to tighten up. We got to force them into some mistakes. But that's I guarantee you that's going to be his game plan. He's going to play it oh. safe and he's going to play it close. So so just don't, you know, don't panic next week. It, yeah, until it, you know we start. You are right about that. Yes. We may see a very different, uh, you know, offense versus defense this week opposed against Arkansas State. But that same philosophy really plays true here because Oregon State loves the big play, or Oregon sure. State loves the big play, and Diaco is going to do everything he can to force them to dink and dunk down that. Absolutely, field. and that's the thing. You know, again, we don't want ninety plays against us, and at the same time. They might have a few plays against us because in the tw- inside the twenties, you're trying to prevent that big play, right? And Oregon has tr- traditionally shown between penalties and also between turnovers is that if you don't give them that big play, if you can make Oregon have to do it seven, eight, nine, ten times in a row, somewhere along the line, there's going to be a mistake. There's going to be a penalty. There's going to be a turnover that's going to kill them. What Oregon likes to do is. If they don't have to go eight plays or nine plays in a row, if they can get the one big break and guy goes for 80 yards, that's awesome. But can we prevent that? That's going to be a big piece of it. Oregon, I don't, you know, here they had 26 minutes of possession time. They don't need a lot of possession time, obviously, to put up 77 points. Right, that's not their So thing. make them work for everything. And to your point, Mac, they're, they're going to get some yards. Do you, 
I'm fine with that. Deal with that. Really Absolutely. quick on, on that. Uh, I'm just thinking of back of a couple of games that stick in my head of where Oregon's offense really did bog down, and it was some of those Stanford games where Stanford just, just, just out-muscled them, and that offense really bogged down. Do you feel like uh, Stanford had a certain approach to defending that uh, Oregon offense? Now, this is a different coaching staff, so it's, it's hard to say, but uh, that, that was really effective there that Diaco could em- employ? I always felt where Stanford had the advantage on them. is Stanford's been so good on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And mm-hmm. with a team like Oregon, if you can get – you know, if you can get a really good surge from your defensive line, you can you can really upset a lot of the timing of their offense in the past. And I think that's where Stanford sure. had some success. And then on the other side of that was being able to control the ball by running it. You could keep the ball out of Oregon's hands. So it's a, it was a it was a double edged sword for Stanford. And I, and I could see our offense maybe doing that. Maybe not to the extent of what I feel like Stanford's really cultivated as a run system. But Trey Bryant showed. I showed a lot in this game and and you know as many double tight end sets as we ran and uh you know, having a fullback in there i i feel like formation and personnel wise there's 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 definitely an effort by this coaching staff to focus on the run game so who knows i mean it, it looks that like could a, be the game plan yeah, though, Ma- right? absolutely mac and dave i think you hit on this perfect i'm looking at the 2013 stats of oregon stanford and uh Go back to the Riley statement. Do you want to run the ball for more? Well, Stanford ran the ball for 274 yards. Oregon ran for 62. That's one way to stop it. And what I was talking about earlier with our front seven, I, I, they're going to try yeah. to run the ball against us. Why wouldn't they? Royce Freeman started having success a year ago against us. We're going to have to be able to defend that. And if we can, we're going to be in good shape. If we're giving up the 300 yards, yeah, we're in trouble. Mac, to your point about uh, uh, Bryant, Stanford that year had a guy, Tyler Gaffney, run 45 carries for 157 yards. 45 carries. It was only three-and-a-half-yard average, but 45 carries. And that leads to a heck of a, you know, when you're you're going for that that much, I mean, you're going to have a time of possession lead. My gosh, Stanford had the ball for 42 minutes and 21 seconds. Oregon had the ball for 16 minutes in that game. So... Yeah, Again, that goes classic. everything back to what we just said. That if that's a if that's kind of a, a formula there, we're not exactly what Stanford was then. Different styles and stuff, but stopping their run, having the ball, you know, more of a time right. of possession. And when they do have to drive the ball, don't miss tackles. Don't give them big plays. And if you make them go eight, nine, ten plays in a row, they're eventually going to make mistakes. They're going to have penalties. Twelve of them last week. They're going to have turnovers, wow. and if we can yeah. run the ball for more, and if we have less turnovers of them, holy smokes, we start to sound like a guy that's been coaching for about 40 years because that's what Mike Riley just said prior to the season were the most important things. Well, yeah. you know, and, and, and talking about the offensive, too, you know, if you look at what they were actually trying to do, if we didn't have a couple key penalties that killed some drives that were going that kind of forced us to pass a few more times than we wanted to because the runs were called back – I mean, those numbers flip pretty quickly. You know, it seems like this coaching staff is seem like to run the ball, but I, on the first down plays, we just they were really good about getting yards. But I yeah, like how it, it, the balance is there, but it is definitely a balance with the run side. I feel like I felt like the run side was was an emphasis. 
for this last week. And if with without a couple, you know, badly timed penalties, you know, it, the numbers would have borne, so. borne that out a little bit even more. Yeah, yeah, good point. I mean, it's going to be interesting how that translates to the field on Saturday afternoon, that's for certain. All right, good stuff, guys, good stuff. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's move on to our, our prediction section. Hey, Boomer, uh, I think you probably know the stats. What was the uh, the tally from last week, just win-loss, or at least our losses? Uh, losses, well, with Tennessee winning tonight, I believe we all had Tennessee. Is that correct? I that think we had them winning. So, all right. Yes. So my last quick tally, uh, Honky had some math difficulties doing this earlier today, so... <laughs> That was a funny text line. It was. So. Uh, that was priceless. I don't usually like to read those, so but Boomer, that one was funny. Did you win? Did, uh, were you up on? You sound shocked at that, Dave. But yeah, last I checked, uh, two losses for me, three for Dave, and five each for Honky and Mac. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So unfortunately, Boomer's Honky's a, a lock one. of the week uh, is the only one that did not pay off. So hopefully, Tony... no, 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 I missed Tennessee. Oh, you did miss Tennessee. No, Tennessee won the game. No, no, Tennessee yeah, won. Tennessee did win the game. I forgot. Ah, the, Despite uh, yeah. stats being horribly stacked against them, they won the game. So yes. any Redcasters my lock, who my lock was yeah. pretty good. I'll take my lock. Right. Lock of the week. You know, fortune favors the bold, and I pick some. I pick some teams that That's were right. maybe a little questionable. That's right. That's I don't. Right. I'm not right. going to apologize for that. I, I live my life that way. Well, week, <laughs> week two of the uh, the football schedule has got tons of gems on it again. I think there's actually some fun ones in here. Uh, Honky, you've got the list. Uh, do you want to start at the top and then I'll throw it out? Absolutely. Uh, we are starting with uh, Miami of Florida making the strange trek to Jonesboro, Arkansas to play the Red Wolves that we just played. All right, let's start this with Boomer. Uh, Miami. Mac. Miami. Honky. i got to try to catch up somewhere. I'm going to go with Arkansas State. You fool. He's always trying to catch up. I'm going with Miami. Next game, Hunk. Iowa, Iowa State, the high cyclone V trophy or whatever it's called. I'll take this first. I'm going to go Iowa. Mac. Iowa. Boomer. Iowa. Hunk. With my lock of the week, Iowa. All right. Oh, jeez. Yeah, hey, you hedge your bets. You, you, <laughs> you love Wyoming, but Iowa's a sleeper. Now you can take Iowa full throttle. That's right. All right, next game, Honk. Northwestern and Duke, the Brain Bowl. You take this one, Honk. Go for I'm it. going with Duke. Ooh. Whoa. Mac. Northwestern. Boomer. Northwestern. I'm taking Northwestern, too. I think they won this last year, if I'm not mistaken. Excellent. All right, next game, Honk. Pitt, Penn State. I'm going to go Boomer to start. Penn State, and there's my lock of the week. Nice pick. Good pick. Let's go Mac. I'm going to go Penn State. Penn State. I'll make that four for four with Penn State. Next game. Georgia, Notre Dame. Ooh, this is a good one. I'll start with uh, McGuire on this one. Mac. I'm going to go Notre Dame. Nice. Eason is out as a QB. Boomer. Uh, Notre Dame. Go Irish. I will also take Notre Dame because of that. Honky? Georgia. Mm. Nice, nice. What's up next? Stanford, USC. I'm going to take this one because Stanford's my team in the Pac-12, so I will take Stanford. And you know what? Are you going to go with it? Do it. Pull the trigger. Do it. Pull the trigger. We're running low on locks. I'll take the lock of the week. What the hell? 
Wow. Sam, Sam Darnold <laughs> actually did struggle a little bit. I called that. Everybody's like, Sam Darnold's going to win the Heisman. He did not look that sharp. I'm telling you week. right now, Sam Darnold is completely human. This this guy's hype is three games in. Relax. Yeah. Everybody needs to relax on Sam Darnold. And quite frankly, Wyoming's quarterback, meh. No, the kid's a gunslinger. Right, Mac, He's got a lot to learn Mac, about. Mac, you're calling it. What, who, who do you got? Stanford, USC? Uh, I'm going USC. <laughs> Despite everything I just said. <laughs> Boomer? Oh, God. USC. Huh. I have Stanford, and I will say Josh Allen from Wyoming. He He's the real deal. That Wyoming didn't have some of the parts he's, around him, but he's the real deal as a QB. I was impressed. Uh, it's because of his, his decision. His decision-making is questionable. Low Division One talent uh, at wide receivers probably bringing him down. Probably, right? probably that certainly help. does hurt him. The no fr- doubt the about front it. Seven he of didn't Iowa, have a ton of time to throw. The front seven of Iowa made him have to make some bad decisions at times. But anywho, yeah. next up we have Indiana, Virginia. The honks, you can take this one first. I'm going with Indiana. Nice. Uh, I will also take Indiana. Mac. I'm going to go with Indiana. Boomer. Yeah, Big Ten solidarity. Let's go, Indiana. Look at that. All right. What's up next, Honky? All right. We're starting to get into the big ones. Oklahoma at Ohio State. Boomer. Oh, geez. At Ohio State, I'll take the Buckeyes. Mac. Buckeye. Honky. Ohio State. I'll make that four for four. I, I don't see Oklahoma going in there doing it. They sure didn't do it last year's uh, at home. It wasn't even close. So good showing first week though for Oklahoma. Yeah, they did. Yeah, true. True. And Ohio State did struggle a little bit, but um, yeah, I just next game up. All right, Honk. What do you Auburn got? at Clemson. This is a great matchup. Is this at Clemson in Death yes. Valley? Is that yep. correct? At Clemson. Clemson's my lock of the week. Mac is taking Clemson wow. as a lock. Boomer. Yeah. Uh, sticking with the world is so dark theme, Auburn. Huh. Interesting. All right. I'm going to go with Clemson. Honk. Clemson. Clemson. Join us, Michael. All right. And what, what else? Last one is, is Nebraska and Oregon. Here it is. All right. Let's, uh, let's start with Boomer. I said Nebraska preseason would win a couple games they weren't expected to win. This is going to be one of them, Nebraska. Wow. All right. I'm going to stick with my preseason. I, even though I love the offense, I think the defense does have a little bit to go, and I do think we're going to get a lot better as the season goes on. But I'll, I'll, I'm going to go against Nebraska and take Oregon here. Mac. The defense gave me pause. But then Diaco gave me hope. <laughs> Tanner Lee makes me happy. And Trey Bryant is pretty cool. So I'm going to go with Nebraska over Oregon. Terry Wilson, you should be paying attention. <laughs> uh, where are you now, Terry yeah, Wilson? I don't know where he went to. And hockey, who are you taking? Well, Diaco today said I mean, we don't really talk about statistics. We really don't care. We're trying to build the plan to keep up the points down. So at the end of the game, we have one more point than the opponent. So with that, I'm going to probably go somewhere around Nebraska 57, Oregon 56. And in a strange twist of fate, Nebraska wins by going for two. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's, that nice. score might change on the official uh, 
prediction sheet, but I'm, yeah. I'm going with Nebraska. We'll, we'll lay some lay some scores out. Uh, do you, anybody else want to put scores out right now, or you want to think about that and mull it over? They're going to be points scored. Yeah, that's what I'll it's say. It's going to be high yeah. score. It'll be on. Points. It'll be on it's the be graph. Some yards churning. This is going to be yeah. like a, one of those four-hour games. Yeah, plenty of time to to watch this. Extend game. your it. DVR recordings. Redcasters, go ahead and put hours. an extra 40 to 50 minutes on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. I think that's a solid show. We get some parting shots, though. Um, you know, uh, uh, Honky, you have uh, a parting shot you want to leave the listeners with? Well, it, it is with great sorrow they must tell you all that Ed Cunningham has given his last college game review. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. And speaking of reviews, shameless plug here, but uh, please give the Redcast a positive view on iTunes. And while we're at it, we figured out last week we're on Podbean, and I don't even know what that means yet, but uh, apparently Podbean. we're on Podbean now, too, so so yay. All the cool kids are on Podbean, like, so that's, that's it's nice. Co- all the cool kids are on the Podbean. It's cool to pee your pants. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. All right, Mac, anything to leave um, our listeners parting with? shot, I would just like to caution all of our Husker fanatics on social media to maybe take a couple of breaths before you go on right after the game. You know, we did actually win, so 1-0. Good stuff, guys. Let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's stay positive. It's true. It's true. Good point. Boomer? Well, I'd just like to state that after this uh, kind of exciting uh, four-day weekend of college football, that uh, anyone out there who actually prefers watching NFL to college, you're really nothing but just an uncivilized, uneducated Philistine. So college football, far (laughs) superior to the NFL. Nice. Here, here. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I I just think it was – let's just, uh, you know, cheers to college football being back, guys. That's my parting shot is – it was a great weekend. I'm looking forward to 12 or 13 more of these, and um, I'm looking forward to doing the show uh, and having this talk uh, after each one. So let's uh, call that a Go Big Redcast, and uh, let's GBR this thing out. Amen. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.